0: Hi I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at indietravelpodcast.com.
1: It's episode 278 and today we're talking about Nuremberg in Germany.
0: Nuremberg is a wonderful city. We spent a week there and, well, we're completely in love with it.
1: Yeah, it really surprised me actually in how much I enjoyed it. I normally don't go in for the the pretty medieval cities, which is what I'd seen in photos and things like that. And it is what it is really, but yeah. it really caught my heart. I, I don't know, I've fallen for it.
0: <laughs> I think we should actually thank the Inditorial podcast community for that, because mm. this was the one where we asked you should we go to Nuremberg or Frankfurt, and you said overwhelmingly Nuremberg. Yeah,
1: 12 votes out of 11 or something. 12 votes out of 11. Yeah, absolutely no one said Frankfurt, and so we ended up in Nuremberg and just uh, found our way around. It was
0: really brilliant. We were there as part of Indy Germany, which is our five-week trip through Germany. Five cities, uh, Germany by rail with a German rail pass from acprail.com.
1: Yeah, keep an eye on the Indy Germany hashtag on Twitter, Instagram, and Vine, and follow along. Uh, We'll be doing this until the end of June.
0: And make sure to visit guides.indytravelpodcast.com if you haven't recently. There's uh, lots of cool new stuff going on there all the time. You might be interested in our guidebooks for Las Vegas and Buenos Aires, which are really great. Highly recommended. Uh, Maddie recently bought a copy of Buenos Aires and emailed us to say that it's a beautiful book. Thank you. And Sam also wrote us an article on where to find street art in Buenos Aires, which you can find on the site. Uh, That's a really great article with lots of nice pictures, so you should definitely visit. And you know that all our books are available from Com.
1: But today we're not talking about Las Vegas or Buenos Aires, we are talking about Nuremberg.
0: That's right. So Nuremberg, where to start? It's got a really huge history and we learned a lot about it while we were there. And although it wasn't the first place we started, I think a good place to start if you go would be the Fembo House City Museum. Mm. Uh, It's a museum set in a late Renaissance merchant's house, one of the few that survived the bombing of the Second World War. About 90% of Nuremberg was destroyed during the war. So the war is kind of an ever-present topic and that's both... Spoken and unspoken, which we'll talk about later, but uh, if you start at the Fembo House Museum, on the top floor, on the fourth floor, which is where you start your tour, they have a model of the city that was built in 1930, I think it was finished in 1939, just before the war. And they have a, a little sound and light display that talks about some of the buildings that are, were not destroyed or that we were rebuilt. That really helps you get an idea of the geography of the city and a bit of the history.
1: Yeah, I found it after wandering around with, you know, just a map in my pocket for a few days, then going there and seeing that it all made sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes yeah. there there are these things that just orient you and well orientate you. And that's what this did for me. Everything kind of snapped into place and And suddenly and, we understood a lot better. Yeah. And um it's neat because it's right by the main marketplace, which is the the Hauptmarkt, uh, and that is a pretty little square. Most famous for the Nuremberg Christmas markets, mm. which have been running for something like seven hundred years, I think. Um, it's it's a huge tradition of Christmas markets, and it's kind of the the de jour thing at the moment is to to go traveling for Christmas markets. Um, But these guys have been playing that game for a long time. They sure have.
0: So, yeah, it it was really great. We learned a lot about the history of the city and and then went on to visit Albrecht Dürer's house, which was right nearby as well. He's Nuremberg's most famous citizen. Uh, He was around in the 1500s, and he's a very famous artist. You can see copies of some of his works in the house, but if you go to the, uh, the German National Museum, you can also see some of his, you know, originals which is really great.
1: The thing that excited me about the German National Museum is um, the world's two oldest globes. They were so cool. I mean the um, the globe was invented in Nuremberg the first the first person to scale out the world and make it into a sphere and you know mount it on a spinning rack so you could turn it around Uh, that happened in Nuremberg and so the, they don't have the original, but they have the world's two oldest still existing globes in the museum there. And so there's wonderful works by Renaissance artists, You've got original and- by Dura. they They've got a huge collection of um, kind of German folklore and costumes and masks and woodcrafts and musical instruments. There's a lot and to see. All sorts. Um, but yeah, the thing that really, really caught me were these two globes.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. We were surprised.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just thinking about that museum. There's a whole monastery inside the museum. (laughs) They they built the museum around a monastery, so they had a place to house the uh, religious art. As you do, (laughs)
0: completely normal. Our contacts at the Tourism Board gave us a list of things that were invented in Nuremberg and it was extensive, it was things mm. you wouldn't expect, I mean, like the Globe and I think was it the pocket watch?
1: Yeah, the pocket one, watch, and... the clarinet, the MP3 specification. Uh-huh. It was mad. <laughs>
0: and and they, they told us things, you know, focuses that you could do in Nuremberg. So you had shopping, you had, yeah, the inventions theme, you had, well, business was quite a big one, a lot of their tourists are business people. Uh, of course, the, the Second World War theme, there were so many different things you could do, the Christmas markets, oh, the list went on and on and on. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the Second World War theme, because Nuremberg was a very important city for the Second World War. I mean, I know, for me, when I think Nuremberg, I think Nuremberg Trial, and uh, that's probably what a lot of English-speaking people would think as well. And so we went and visited the site of the Nuremberg trial, and they have a memoriam museum there, which was quite good. We couldn't see the courtroom itself because it's a courtroom and it was being used. But, yeah, we got, it was quite a good museum, but a little bit too detailed for me. I got a little well, bit think, overwhelmed by it all.
1: Yeah, it did a good job of drilling into specific details, but not a good job of telling the big story. Mm. And the big story is kind of this was the, the first court... Um, where state rulers and, you know, people of power in a state were taken to court for crimes against humanity mm-hmm. by an international set of judges. There were people from all of the, the so-called victorious nations of uh, Britain, France, Russia, and, well, it wasn't Russia then, it was the USSR, and uh, the United States. And so. And it was pretty amazing that they could agree kind of, on what. Yeah.
0: On the kind of the procedure and on the, the, the basic ideas. That was, that was a huge victory in and of itself.
1: Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the, the thing. But the reason that it was, well, part of the reason that it was held there was that Nuremberg, uh, well, the courtrooms didn't get destroyed in the bombing, so that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it was one of the kind of ceremonial headquarters of the Nazi party this is where they built a lot of their monumental architecture and one of them still exists a big parade grounds um, that was the outside was all finished and there's this beautiful stately monumental stone and then on the inside it's all just brick and it's scaffolding and completely and utterly unfinished so the, the presentation of power was there um, but it was all hollow inside, and in fact it's been hollowed out completely by a, a modern architect who designed it as a museum space. He's put this big metal and glass kind of an shaft yeah. Yeah, right through the middle of it to kind of gore the heart out yeah, of this symbolize. monumental architecture, and uh, gosh, the, the museum there is That's really amazing. good,
0: highly recommended. So yeah, the idea was that the uh, the Nazi Party had a rally every year, and twice before, the, I think twice it was held in Nuremberg, just at random, and they chose it as the city of the of the rallies. And so they ended up having six in total, and they planned to have more and more. And thousands and thousands of people came to the the Nazi Party rally grounds, which is part of the reason why they were building this huge complex, including the um, the building that we visited for mm. the museum. It was really great.
1: Yeah. It was really great. It didn't have the the heavy emotional impact of visiting, like, the concentration camps at Auschwitz and at at Dachau. But it did the best job for me, anyway, of telling this complex story and kind of picking up all the disparate pieces and putting it together into a narrative that that made sense and in a building that made sense to display it. So I was. I was really impressed by it. It's definitely a, a must-do if you have any interest or any interest about having an interest mm. in understanding the war and what happened before and how that's affected life afterwards.
0: I think any visit to Germany has to have some sort of element of the Second World War because it's it's omnipresent. Mm. I mean, it's in everyone's consciousness and I think this, if you're just going to do one thing, this would be one really good thing to do because it's quite complete. It gives you a a good story of of what what went on. They have a really good audio guide as well, so that takes you through uh, room by room. Most of the information was in German, so you couldn't just read the Mm. information, but the, the audio guide was really good.
1: The reason it was such an important city for the Nazis was because it was the city of what they called the Imperial Diets which was the first imperial court that was held by each new emperor of the the German Holy Roman Empire ship. Um, (laughs) Just make up words, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, And that's symbolized by the Imperial Palace and castle and fortress complex which is all at the very top of the town and we went in there and were amazed by the you know the beautiful tall buildings and courtyards and gardens and then we tried to go inside and then discovered that it was closed until mid-july or something like that
0: yes but there was some sort of balance because we were staying in the stables yes we were staying in the the youth hostel the yha and it's in the stables of the of well the old stables obviously of the castle we were in, uh, it's kind of a, a big, long building with a tower on one side, and we were in the tower area, not actually in the tower itself, but on the seventh floor, right up the top, with beautiful views over the over the city. I'd highly recommend staying there. They do a good breakfast as well, so that was nice. And uh, it was it was really great. Um, from there, that was actually a really good location because there's lots of attractions nearby, like the Albrecht Dürer House mm-hmm. and, uh, and also the castle, which we mentioned. At the castle, we can do a, a tour of under the city and there are actually three underground tours that you can do one is of the uh, art bunker where a lot of precious works of arts were stored during the second world war one is of the cellars and the brewery uh, which is right next to Albert Durer's house as well we did that as well it was really good and the one that we did by the castle was of the casemates so the construction of the um, the fortifications and defenses of the castle and uh, the water conduits and that was really great And to do all of those tours, you can use the Nuremberg card, which we we had one of each. I think that is a really good way to see everything in Nuremberg. It's two Mm. days, gives you public transport, and access to a whole bunch of things, like all of those tours, most museums, and the zoo. So, yeah, really good value for, was it, 23 euros?
1: Yeah, it worked out to just over 10 euros a day, I remember. Mm. Um, The... Yeah, so those underground tours were great. We've talked about the Dürer House. We haven't talked about something that you wanted to go to, which was the Toy Museum.
0: Yeah, I was a bit disappointed by the Toy Museum. I think if you love toys, it's worth visiting, but it didn't tell a good enough story about about the the history of toys. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> but the Tower of the Senses was quite fun. That was another thing that we could do on the Nuremberg Art. It's uh, got quite limited opening hours, but it it's talking about the tricks that our senses play on, on us. For example, you know, those rooms where one person stands in one corner and the other person stands in the other corner and it looks like one of you's a giant because of the perspective. They did a really good one where they gave us uh, flavoured sweets and we had to hold our nose and see if we could taste the flavour and we couldn't and then when we uh, let go of our nose we could taste the flavour and it was cool, it was really great.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, we did make it out to the zoo, which Linda just mentioned before. It was about twenty minutes from the central station out mm-hmm. to the zoo. It's a direct train. And um, the th- it was a nice zoo, nice, um, reasonably large habitats, um, very clean, very cool. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was awesome for me was the manatee center. I've I've seen manatees in you know the BBC sea- documentaries, sea cows, yeah. <laughs> Um, with, with Richard Attenborough and toning something grand <laughs> over the top. But I've never seen them in real life. And they are huge. They were like 10 or 12 feet long. They're oh, very big. <laughs> yeah, It was just insane.
0: So we went a bit crazy in tourism while we were in Nuremberg. And it was worth it because there were lots of cool things. to Oh, we didn't mention the um, DB Railway yes. Museum, which I really, really enjoyed. And the uh, Communications Museum. We also went to art galleries. We did all sorts of things. There's lots and lots and lots of things to do in Nuremberg. Or you could just go there and go shopping if that's your thing. <laughs> you know. uh, but we haven't talked about food. And the thing about Nuremberg is that they have tiny sausages. Everywhere in Germany has sausages, but the ones in Nuremberg are tiny. And our, contract, our contact Wolfram at the Tourism Board said one of the stories about why they have tiny sausages is that they had quite strict uh, closing hours for the, the pubs but these sausages can fit through a keyhole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true.
1: No, but it it it's makes a good story. story. It's it a good story. Um and you have to order even numbers of them. So no, you can no, have no. like 6, 10 or 12. No. Or you can also No. What?
0: You could th- there's traditional numbers. It doesn't have to be an even number. Okay,
1: well every on every menu I saw 6, yeah, you're getting f- 6, 10 or six, 12. 18, 12.
0: Yeah. But yeah. 3. Yeah, yeah well, that's, three.
1: but that's only to take away, oh, okay. and that's the that's the, the thing that breaks the rule, oh, okay. is you can get a, a dry and veckler, which is three of the sausages on a, a white bun, um, which is always a, a takeaway meal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was the only thing we ate the whole time <laughs> we were in England, because Craig fell in love with them and, and wanted to do a, a research project on <laughs> dry and veckler. So I think we had... A, Four or five. Yeah, six.
1: yeah. was wasn't that many. <laughs> quite a lot.
0: Well, <laughs> we tried them in many different places around the city, and we can say that yes, they're good.
1: So we've been talking about lots of things to do, but just Nuremberg itself was stunning. I mean, I think I could have quite happily. With the exception of the first couple of days when it was freezing cold, and I brought my polyprops my like my thermal underwear back out of the the bottom of my bag, because it was just so was cold. cold. Um, and then, apart from those days, I could have just happily spent the days wandering around, sitting on benches, uh, maybe sitting at that Wanderer Cafe in the oh, Dora Um and just. You know, or the uh the the uh microbrewery just you know just sitting around and wandering around the streets because the place itself is just beautiful.
0: Yeah, they've done a really good job of rebuilding it after the war. As I said, it was ninety percent destroyed uh, during the war, and it's really sad. But they've done a good job of rebuilding it, and they um they also worked very hard to work on the flood defenses. When we were in Nuremberg it was in the middle of the, the flooding all over Germany, Austria, and the Czech Republic. And a lot of places that we'd been or are going to, especially Dresden, were highly affected. We didn't notice it at all. It was raining the first couple of days, but the and the water level of the river was a little bit higher, but no, there were no problems at all. So that was really good.
1: Yeah, and wandering around, you're wandering over these beautiful stone bridges mm, so into, um, into plazas with these big buildings and this mix of kind of gothic and baroque and renaissance and lots of
0: cool statues and fountains as well. yeah
1: um and probably one of the prettiest underground stations i've ever seen um the the white tower station yeah it was so cool Um, you go actually
0: under the tower the escalator comes out in the gate of the tower
1: yeah it's cool and then that pops out into this cool square with uh what's called the the wedding fountain (laughs) which is um a rather Cynical slash disturbing view of married life, which starts off with uh, kind of randy lust and finishes with a skeletal couple trying to kill each other on the back of a giant um, reptile. Yeah, yeah, really fun.
0: (laughs) Worth seeing. (laughs) Another thing that's worth seeing is the Glockenspiel on the front of the Frauenkirche, which is in the Hauptplatz. It plays only at 12 o'clock, I think, just once a day. And it was a really nice one. We've seen a lot of Glockenspiels. And uh, this one was fun. It was really good.
1: Yeah, it's called the, uh, it's kind of got the nickname, the, the running men. And there are these uh, kind of wise men and townspeople and burghers that come out and bow before the the emperor who sits in the middle. Yeah. Um, but because they go around in a circle, it's kind of like they're running in front of him.
0: Yeah, but it's quite cool they bow as they go past him. Yeah, it's not,
1: it's not too long, which is good. Like, yeah, was- I remember the, the Munich one was kind of, more than 5 minutes long yeah. I was kind of going can we go now? <laughs>
0: but that was fun because of the jousting I thought the Olomutz one was too long not much happened <laughs> yes <laughs> and uh, oh we didn't talk about couch surfing so mm. as you know during this Indie Rail or Indie Germany trip we're planning on spending half of our time staying with local people and half of the time staying in a hotel or a hostel so we stayed in the the YHA hostel which was brilliant uh, during this, the last 3 days of our time in Nuremberg the first 3 days we stayed with a couch surfer called Kader and that was brilliant. She just she really looked after us, and we just hung out mostly. Mm. It was raining, so we didn't go out that much. But uh, she invited friends over. We watched Tatort, which is a German institution. It's a a crime show. But what's brilliant about it is it's showed every Sunday. However, it's filmed in different cities all over all over Germany. So there's a, an acting team in Munich and one in Stuttgart and one in Berlin and, mm. and you know I think they've got about twenty cities yeah. and they take turns filming. It's movie length. It's about ninety minutes, isn't it?
1: Was it an hour or ninety minutes. I don't know. I think it's maybe an hour. Well, it's
0: an hour to ninety minutes anyway. And they they make a, a TV show with the um yeah the the police in that area and they solve the crime obviously. Mm. I thought That was quite a brilliant idea.
1: That's kind of like CSI, only it's been running since the sixties. Yeah, instead of having CSI
0: <laughs> Mi- Miami, you've got CSI Miami one week, and then the next week it's <laughs> <laughs> CSI Munich one week, and CSI Berlin the next week, and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is. It's neat. Um, and yeah, it was just cool being there. And we learned a new game as well a game called Wizard, which is. Uh, Craig totally smashed the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, well, I totally got smashed on, on the uh, the learning game. But then <laughs> massive comeback, 100 and something point victory. Yeah, Riveton. Victory. In. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. So yeah, couch surfing was fun. and uh, But yeah, there was just so much rain. We spent a lot of it just. Hanging out inside. Soaking out the atmosphere inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we had squirrels on the porch and uh, all sorts. <laughs> yeah, it was good. The... Well, I don't know what else to say, really. We just to had, Nuremberg. We just had such a good time. Um, we haven't got anywhere close to finishing this trip now, but Nuremberg's now my second favorite place in Germany after Berlin. Um, and they're kind of like... If they were two sisters, then Berlin would be the, the kind of weird, artistic, goth child with, <laughs> uh, you know, unknown potential, and Nuremberg would be the, uh, the, the very pretty, correct, proper kind of, uh, kind of sister that does everything right and, and always looks picture perfect.
0: <laughs> An interesting way of looking at it. <laughs> so have you got anything else more to say about, about Nuremberg?
1: Um, no, but we should talk about leaving Nuremberg, because oh, we won't yeah. have a chance um, to, to talk about Koblenz or anything like that if we don't do it now.
0: Well, it was quite hilarious. The fact that we we have these German rail passes from acprail.com, and they're valid for five days within one month. We'd requested to have them from, I think it was the 10th of June, No, no, it must have been the 3rd of June. But then we changed our plan and we were leaving Munich on the 1st. So we didn't end up validating them for our trip from Munich to Nuremberg, which actually worked out really well because uh, the German rail network has a really good regional pass called the Bayern ticket. And in fact, most of the regions in Germany have a similar ticket where you can use all of the regional trains in the region for a day for some stupidly cheap price. In this case, it was €26 for the both of us, which was cheaper than the per day price of our... German rail ticket. German rail tickets are brilliant for intercity trips if you're traveling on ICEC or the ICE trains. But uh, in this case, going by regional train was a good idea. Well, that meant that we had to validate our German rail pass. So we went to the station, took a number, realized that we were 24 numbers down the queue. (laughs) And then we realized that we had first-class tickets. So we turned around, noticed there was one person in the queue for the, for the first-class desk, and then just sauntered up and, and had our passes validated. It was brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a huge advantage to having those passes. If you're 26 or younger, you can get second-class passes. But uh, I think in order to, uh, to make better use of their first-class cabins, if you are over 26 and you're getting any kind of rail pass in Europe, you, uh, you pretty much end up with first-class tickets. I don't think any country issues adult rail passes that are second-class. I think interrail so. does,
0: but Eurail definitely doesn't.
1: Mm, no, definitely and not.
0: the German rail pass is much closer to Eurail because only yeah. non-European residents can, can get in.
1: Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that was a, a huge advantage. And you also get uh, kind of in-cabin service as, yeah. as people come around and offer you coffee and drinks which aren't complimentary unless you're on the, the ICEs. which yeah, are The ICE sprinters. Yeah, we, okay, only on the sprinters, which are the fast intercity ones. Um, but yeah, they you still get uh, in-cabin service, which is <laughs> quite nice. Um, so yeah, so we, we got that and we went out to Koblenz, where we plan to spend an hour or two and then jump on a boat heading um, along the Rhine to get to Bonn.
0: But unfortunately, because of all the flooding, the the boats weren't running. Some, I'd sent an email to ask if they were running and got no response. And uh, since our friend Richard, who was we staying with him, Bonn, had seen lots of boats going up and down the river, we assumed that it would be running. But no, the the company that runs the trips that we had had hoped to go on was restarting their routes the next day. So we didn't do a boat trip. No. Maybe we can do one.
1: <laughs> and we got up early for nothing. I know. I know.
0: In. We we planned to do this. Because, you know, it's quite fun to use everything that you can use. But no. But luckily, it was a beautiful day. So we just uh, camped out under a tree and read our books. Yeah. And that was actually
1: glorious. <laughs> I think Copland's is a nice stop. Um, they had a really nice old town that was mainly pedestrianised. Lots of shops and bars and cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up in a little kind of traditional-ish grill place and mm-hmm. just had a... You know, a, a cheap lunch, um, and then yeah, walked down along the waterfront and saw all the flooding along the river, which was crazy. Yeah, and it was just so hot. It was like the two o'clock. It was the hottest part of the day. It was humid, and we just found a space down on the Eck, which is the corner where the Mosel River meets the Rhine and just sat under a tree and I don't think we moved for about four hours or five hours. (laughs)
0: We'd made the mistake of taking our bags with us because they've recently moved their tourist information office from by the main station to the center of town which is about one and a half kilometers away and since we thought we were going to be catching a boat we took all our bags with us otherwise we could have left them in the lockers at the station Mm. but uh, yeah so we didn't want to walk too much I'd managed to hurt my leg and you know it wasn't wasn't the best for walking but just Lying by the river under this, under a tree was really nice.
1: It was. It was beautiful. And um, although you can go into the uh, the castle and the castle there was quite cool. There was a skate park out the front of it. So you can go and skate with this huge castle behind you. Um, or you can catch a funicular over the river up to the, um, the big fortress complex on the other side of the river which protects the city. Uh, we decided not to do any of that and just Lay in the park and, uh, yeah, did, did very, very little. It was, it was very nice. But a great stopover, lots of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can see you, the
0: Lorelei Rock on the way as well. That oh, was quite yeah. cool.
1: There's a, a story about a mermaid that lived in the river or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Linda. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, we were told we had to see it. We saw it. We didn't see the... There is a, a mermaid statue, apparently, combing her blonde hair at the foot of the rock but we didn't see
1: him. no no I think we passed by too fast on the train or maybe, it, she, maybe was she was underwater. underwater like quite a few things um, yeah at the the Eck when I looked down there were kind of pot plants on the walkway about a meter underwater I was like ooh we should be able to walk down there <laughs> oh well well that was uh, that was Nuremberg and um, a little bit of Koblenz on our way to Bonn and uh, next week we'll be speaking about Bonn and Cologne
0: yeah, we're in Cologne at the moment, and it's so far a really lovely city, nice and warm, which is definitely an advantage.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we've just uh, yeah been around a little bit of the pedestrianized area of the old town, and uh, tomorrow we'll be heading out and exploring a lot more.
0: Yeah, so we'll tell you we'll tell you all about that next week. Don't forget that if you want to meet other travellers, if you have questions about what we've talked about today or about anything to do with travel, come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums. Get your free community account and join in the conversation.
1: Uh, you can also help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flight slash hostels slash insurance when booking your travel online.
0: Also check out our books at guides.indieTravelPodcast.com. Books to help you travel more, travel well, and there's always more on the way.
1: And for some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast, invite them to our Facebook page, that's facebook.com indietravel Indie Travel, or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes.
0: Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.